following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2002's Equilibrium, directed by Kurt Wimmer, starring Christian Bale, Emily Watson, Tate Diggs, Angus McFadden, Sean Bean, Matthew Harbour, and William Fickner. Equilibrium is a 2000 2002 American science fiction action film. This movie currently holds a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In the future, after the Third World War, the world is ruled by a totalitarian and fascist society with the leadership of the father. Arts, music, books, luxury, and feelings are not acceptable. And persons uses a drug called prosium in a daily basis to repress their feelings and feel happy. The opponents to this new world are called offenders and they form the underground resistance to the system who are destroyed by very well-trained and powerful agents called the clerics. John Preston is one of this agents, and his life changes when he misses his daily dose of prosium. Perfect. Okay, Equilibrium. This is another sponsored episode. Tonight's episode was sponsored by Deborah. Deborah writes, Joel, Kevin, and Martin, I just returned from a vacation and was on my way to work listening to the Saw episode and minding my own business when suddenly I hear my name read out aloud and the news that I get to choose a movie for you to review. I was really got to see your donate button on your website. You make my long commute go quickly and never fail to make me laugh. Like many of your other listeners, your show has apparently permeated my subconscious. After a really grueling meeting at work a few weeks ago that had dragged on for over five hours where we were reviewing a document line by line, my mind was turning into mush. The following sentence came out of my mouth. That was a piss poor performance perpetrated by the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone turned and just stared silently at me. Not my finest moment. Anyway, the movie that I would like to request is Equilibrium by Kurt Wimmer. This movie has a 37% around tomatoes and it is directed by the same man who inflicted ultraviolet and cardboard Cameron Bright on the unsuspecting public. But it's also one of my favorite movies. However, I have yet to meet anyone else who likes it. In fact, when my now husband and I had just started seeing each other and we were in that early phase of dating when you are willing to sit through almost anything and like it if it means you'll get some action. I tried to get him to watch Equilibrium. He fell asleep twice. So I was happy to hear you mention it in your Ultraviolet podcast that you guys like the movie. It may be stealing a lot of concepts and designs from other books and movies about dystopian societies, but I don't care. I think it's really entertaining. It has Christian Bale, a Sean Bean double cross of a fascist government, no less, and William Fickner. How can that be bad? I would like to hear your take on it. Thanks and keep up the great work. P.S. In your After Dark episode about Kevin's bachelor party, you mentioned Action Park. I cannot believe it. I used to go there as a kid. I remember that there was a wave pool that was freezing cold and had bottles floating in it. <laughs> as well as a water slide where you land in a pile of dirt and sand instead of water. <laughs> <laughs> that my parents would not let me ride, but I still have fond memories. Okay, guys, Equilibrium. What is your history with this? We all own this movie, right? Oh, yeah. I think I have three copies of it. Yep. And right over there, we watched my personal copy. I broke glass in case of emergency, <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled out my copy of Equilibrium. I was not lucky enough to see this in theaters. Um, I don't think anybody was. No, no one was. No one saw this in theaters. No way. A select few did, but I wasn't one of them. So, um, yeah, I saw this afterwards on DVD, and I as soon as I saw it, I immediately bought a copy. Well, Kevin, we all have a mutual friend to thank because he introduced us to all of us. Remember, we all watched it at the same time together? Did we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. I don't remember. We, we all watched it as a group. Okay. This guy. I don't remember. Okay, well, like you two, I have a copy. I think I have multiple copies of this, and one of them is in a safe, fireproof. <laughs> in case there's a catastrophic event, I'll still have a copy of Equilibrium to watch. Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Christian Bale. What can I say about Christian Bale besides almost every movie he's in, I enjoy. It's not going to be lower than a three. Newsies? Yeah, that was a five out of five. He was Batman-esque in this. He had his uh, he, had, he had a lot of Batman voice moments, and I enjoyed it. I, I really liked his uh, his gunkata moments, and I thought that he played the part really well, which was a emotionless killing machine. Yeah, I mean, his character really demanded an actor who knew what he was doing to sell it, because he had to change throughout the movie 
movie. And I'm sure this movie wasn't shot chronologically, like most movies aren't, right? So he had to really know what he was doing, and he for sure did. This guy is a great actor, and they were lucky to get him in this movie. Yeah, this was before he hit it big, yeah. right? They were on the ground floor with this guy. Absolutely. They bought bail stock at rock bottom prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't realize what they had or how much it was worth. <laughs> Bale was at his absolute Baileyest. Was it? Yeah. Bailey's Irish cream, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> He was creaming over. Was, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, he was sweet. He was thick. He was delicious. And he had I was, a great head. He had a great head, and I was really drunk at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Emily Watson. Not to be confused with... Naomi Watts. Hey, Emma Watson. There you go. <laughs> She was she's pretty good. I I thought she played her part pretty well. She didn't have it wasn't too big, but it was all right. Yeah, she was okay. She they really, didn't give her much. I mean, to she do. didn't she, she didn't have much of a part in this movie. She was supposed to be this vicarious like representation of Christian Bale's wife, but since his wife died when he was emotionless, you you really didn't see any of her his emotional interaction with her. He was she was just a proxy for him to start to yeah. feel for another. Human yeah, yeah. Being. She didn't she didn't even get anything done. So. She needed to have puppy dog eyes. And That's it. Her eyes are big. She, she, yeah. she did. Yeah. She did. Well, that's about it. I'll delve into her character a little later. I have some things to say about it. Next up, Tay Diggs. Let me tell you something right now. Tyrese Gibson wishes he was Tay Diggs. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Tay Diggs is awesome. He's great in this movie. Love him. I'm going to disagree. Ooh. Ouch. Are you saying that his acting was bad? I don't know. I don't know what was going on here, but he was way too emotional. Now, I don't know if that was the direction he had. I actually know the answer to this. Okay. I listened to the commentary, and in the commentary, the director said that, yeah, he understands that this is supposed to be a world without emotions, Mm -hmm. but from a movie-making standpoint, you can't have a movie where everybody is a zombie like this. Okay. So that's why he has these characters acting like this. I thought that he was, he was the villain in this movie. He was the person that was the first line of offense for Christian Bale. So he had to have this really kind of like emotion-filled, I got you, I'm gonna get you, I'm onto you, the entire time. And he sold it really well. I hate him. By the way, and by the end of the movie, you can make the argument that he was a sense offender all along. Yeah. But we can get to that all. We'll get to that in due time. But yeah, Tay Diggs, Tyrese Gibson, take a hike. Next up, Angus McFadden. He played the vice counsel. Vice Cardinal. He is the vice cardinal. What is it with Kurt Wimmer and vice cardinals? <laughs> vice cardinal, vice counsel. All right, we can paint it with the same brush. We'll just call him vice cardinal from now on. I think so. He's, right. he's the vice cardinal. It's a more accurate description, I think. Okay. Thoughts? He was awesome. I like this guy. Yeah, this guy's good. great. He needs to be in more movies. Yeah. Gladly would pay to watch this guy act again. Oh, goodness gracious. It fills my heart with pride to announce this next name. It's the triumphant return of Sean Bean. Sean Bean was acting in this movie and he was acting really well. He was in it for a short time, but was loving every moment that he was in it. This he had amazing. my favorite line in this whole movie. He, he was quoting Yeats and he he sold it to me, man. He was Fantastic. pulling my heartstrings. Love he this guy. Great. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. He's awesome, right? Yeah. Kevin, you gotta get on this Game of Thrones. Sean Bean is in there, yeah, and he's acting circles around people. I'm sure he and, would. And there are some really good actors on that show, but he's going toe-to-toe. He's putting on a clinic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, let me show you how to double-cross. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's that's what he is. He's the king of the double-cross, right? No one does it better. No, absolutely not. Okay, next up, the triumphant return of Matthew Harbour. I think this guy was father. He was also in Event Horizon. I have no idea what part he was <laughs> he played in Event Horizon. Who was he? I think he was one of the ragtag crew that got killed. He was just... Yeah, he was. I think he was, yeah. Which one? Random crewman number 77. I don't know if there was that many people on that shit, but yeah, I think it was just another member of the ragtag team. Did this guy actually have a part in this movie? Yeah, he acted. He was in a lot of the scenes. We he, heard him talking in the background He had more lines than anyone in this whole movie. Yeah, but He they, was constantly talking. He was constantly talking, but not to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he was just on a screen. I loved him. He was great. <laughs> what was his character's name? High Father? I think it was just... Was it Father? Yeah, I think it was just Father. In my, but I'm in, picking up what you're putting down. In in this theater was two people listening to this will know <laughs> who High Father is. Okay, and finally, oh yeah, I've been waiting a long time to say this, but it's the triumphant return of William Fickner to yeah, it's that bad world headquarters. Welcome back. It's been a long time since the days of Ultraviolet and the Perfect Storm. William Fickner is the best actor in this movie, and this movie 
has a lot of good actors in it. So that's saying something. Yeah, I would agree with that. When he showed up, man, what what is it? Like, I, it took this show to really make me realize that this guy's amazing. Right? Yeah? He showed up and it was everything was elevated immediately. You put that guy in a stinker and he'll save it. Or oh, at least yeah. whatever the scenes that he's in, he'll raise. Like in Ultraviolet, for sure, right? Yeah. When that guy was in Ultraviolet, he made Mila Jovovich look like a clown, right? <laughs> like she was a living joke yep. compared to him. Uh-huh. Oh, man. He made Christian Bale look like he wasn't acting. How do you do that? <laughs> I love this guy, man. I love this guy. I'm at the point now where I'm going to start looking for William Fickner movies. I got one for you. Drive Angry. 3D. He's the villain. Really? Ver- him versus Nicolas Cage. Future episode alert. Yeah. It's coming. Oh. Keep that. Keep I that might donate there. $50 yeah, to, yeah. to ourselves <laughs> just to watch that movie sooner. Okay, so that's it. Surprisingly, for once, decent actors? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just took some well, of we the We ain't Hollow Man anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get into the brief history of Equilibrium. Kurt Wimmer had originally wanted Christian Bale for the lead role as senior Grammaton cleric John Preston after seeing him in American Psycho. Bale was not available at the time, so he considered Dominic Purcell for the role. Ultimately, Bale became available and Purcell was cast as Seamus, the resistance fighter, in the opening of the film instead. Ouch. That's a burn, right? Ouch. You considered it for, as for the starring role? And you, you, all you get is like a three-second cameo. Despite popular belief, absolutely no wires were used in the film at all. All of the gravity-defying stunts were done through conventional means. For example, the backflip off the motorcycle was done with a trampoline. It's really impressive. Yeah, Christian Bell was doing backflips in this movie. That mm-hmm. was a stunt double. Writer and director Kurt Wimmer invented the martial arts style of gunfighting for the movie in his backyard. The film fight choreographer, Jim... 14-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> Him and his friends are pretending to fight in their backyard. I'm picturing that like that Star Wars kid from like, yeah. like the first viral video ever. Yes. In his basement. The film's fight choreographer, Jim Vickers, and Kurt Wimmer had some slight disagreement on how the martial art gunkata should be performed on screen. You can see friendly jabs to the choreographer in the film. When Kurt Wimmer performs the gunkata at the beginning, you see it's very fluid and smooth. The way it's actually used in the film is very rigid with the few flowing moves thrown in. Also, in Angus McFadden's speech to the clerics in training, he says each fluid position, slightly stretching the word fluid. Wimmer wanted gunkata to be smooth and soft style. Vickers trained in hard style karate, among other things. Modified the original gunkata slightly, and because of budgetary restraints, that's the version we see in the final film. Wimmer has said his own version of gunkata can be seen in most of its glory in his next film, Ultra Violet. <laughs> it was glorious. John Preston kills 118 characters in this movie, which makes him responsible for exactly half of the total 236 deaths shown. Explaining the apparent rift between critical and fan reaction, Wimmer claimed in an emotional statement during a Sci-Fi Dimensions interview, Wimmer implied that he values fan reaction above critical reception. Why would I make a movie for someone I wouldn't want to hang out with? Have you ever met a critic who you wanted to party with? I haven't. Hey, I'd party with James Bardinelli. He is hilarious. Okay, Equilibrium. So this movie starts out in classic, yes, that bad fashion. (laughs) Yeah, we get a voiceover, we get some text on a black screen, and we get a nice image collage. Kind of like a flashback. I guess it's it's good enough. It's it's good enough for our purposes. Yeah, I I was shocked. I was like, wow, but I like this movie. What's going on? Why are these stable, yeah, it's that bad cliches here? And I really immediately started questioning, wait, is this really a good movie? Wait, wait, dude, wait, what's going on? Your world started collapsing around you. I saw it in your eyes. Yeah, yeah, it was shattering right before me. Did you see Kevin wallowing in his own chaotic and secure delusions while we were watching this? He was having a dramatic psychological upheaval. Ego death. Yeah, he was experiencing ego death. He's just like, I'm part of the couch. <laughs> he didn't know where he began and he ended. Oh, so did you see that super buff guy doing gun kata? Brian, that was the director. It was, yeah. You think he does P90? <laughs> he was moving and grooving. He was, right? I don't think P90X existed when this came out. It was the precursor to P90X. Yeah, he invented P90X while right after doing he did gun, gun kata. kata. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that this intro was informative and necessary. It set up the world that they're going to be in because there's too many differences in this dystopian future society for me to go point by point for how they got there. Yeah, I would let it slide in this movie. It's not like in Doom right. when who cares? Like yeah. that, It didn't set up anything in no, Doom. No, their setting is integral to the story. Yeah, it makes sense what they're talking about. And it also isn't just for the movie. Like you can see this being part of the propaganda. I mean, this whole, this movie's filled with propaganda 
propaganda all over the place. Like this very easily could have just been one of those pieces of propaganda that we were watching. It wasn't you know, specific for the movie. They should have set it up like it was a propaganda reel. Yeah. You know, like Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I think it would have served a better purpose and it would have fit into the context of the movie better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in this universe of equilibrium, they decided that war and hate and violence and murder and are, super Hitler and super Hitler are all, they all stem from one problem. That's human emotion. So if you can get rid of human emotion, that's going to stop all of society's ills, nip it in the bud. So they invented this magic drug, which I was shocked wasn't glowing blue. <laughs> it looked like stink bombs. Yeah, it had that those glass, a distinctive stink bomb look and flavor to it. Yeah, it absolutely. Really good. Tasted great. Yeah, so you, you inject yourself with this magic potion. It automatically stops all human emotion. And because of that, they now have this docile society that they rule over with an iron fist. And they have these cops called the clerics that run around and they kill people who are still feeling emotion and they destroy any kind of contraband. So movies, books, yes, that bad podcasts. <laughs> anything that would cause somebody to feel something or anything that would be used to accentuate an emotion is destroyed. And all of these people are living outside of the city in this dystopian post-apocalyptic ruin that I guess was our world before World War Three, And they're trying to protect all this high art that existed before this new society. The Mona Lisa is destroyed. There's vinyls of Beethoven. There's perfumes. There's really fine pieces of art. So movies like Valentine's Day and The Killers, which suck emotion out of us, they'd probably be fine, right? That's part of the propaganda, probably. Yeah, there's, <laughs> they're just looping it. No emotional content <laughs> discovered in these films. <laughs> that brings us to our first scene where Christian Bale is working out in this post-apocalyptic ruin outside their city, and he's storming one of these hideouts where these people are hoarding all of this all this high art, and we're led to our, like, right in. We're jumping right in. I think five minutes into the movie, we're getting an awesomely choreographed gun a fight scene. Dominic Purcell is there. He got uh, Christian Bale sloppy seconds. <laughs> got, got that <laughs> crappy roll. So they set it up. They explain that there's people hiding out in a room. Christian Bale explains what he's about to do. It sounds insane, but buckle your safety belts because this is going to be awesome. He starts sprinting. By the time he jumps to the door, they shoot all the hinges off of it with shotguns, and he dives into it at 40 million miles an hour yeah. and surfs it into the room. <laughs> yeah, he says surfs up, bro. And he <laughs> yeah, he rides, he rides the, the bullet wave into the room. This is, he's riding bullets <laughs> into, the way, into the room. They shoot the light out in the hallway. It's pitch black. People that are hiding out in the room, I guess, kind of think they know where he's standing. So they shoot maybe three, four shots at him. Nothing for five seconds. It's just a black screen. And, and you, hear you hear people, people whispering, whispering. Like, did you get him? I got him. Quiet, be quiet. Very cool. We're then treated to a awesome two minute long gun caught a flash scene that shows Christian Bale in 50 different angles murdering a room full of 25 people. It is awesome. Yeah, so the room is pitch black. Every time Christian Bale fires his gun, it's like you see like a different snapshot of him like in a different pose. Mm-hmm. So this is that herky jerky style that they were talking about before. Yeah. Like it, this is like the only time in the movie you really see it like this. You see mm-hmm. it in like, like this sparring. Yeah. You see it in the sparring matches too a little bit when he's doing the sword fight kind of thing. Some of it look kind of weird though. It's, it looks like his body is like a picture. Right. And his arms are like a separate element yeah. and they're like rotating like, whoosh, 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 like yeah. they're rotating around. It looks kind of weird. I don't know. Still a cool scene though. Conceptually, the, I like this scene. The way that this was shot looked awesome. And towards the end of this scene, you have a worm's eye view and the barrels of the gun start glowing red with the heat and it illuminates Christian Bale from below. It and like I'm crosses. like, it's awesome. That was super cool. Yeah, he murdered... 4,000 people in that room, right? Yep. It was just scene after scene after scene of him shooting somebody. It was really cool. He was shooting two, three people at a time. Yeah. And they did that like 50 times. Okay, so Christian Bale and his buddy, Sean Bean. <laughs> They leave this uh, ghetto, and when they're in the car driving back home, Christian Bale looks down and he sees that Sean Bean's got a little something in his pocket, a little pocketbook. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's got some poetry, and Christian Bale's like, what are you doing with that? What's going on? Sean Bean, pretty quick. He's always quick with the double cross. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Sean Bean says, "Ah, you know, those those guys, they miss stuff sometimes. I'm going to take this down personally and make sure this gets taken care of. Yeah, and so when they're going back home, their little alarm clocks on their watches go off, telling them it's time to take their dose. Mm Mm-hmm. And Sean Bean says something. He has a little inflection in his voice. And Christian Bale notices it immediately. Oh, yeah. He takes the, they, they take the drug and they go back on their daily business. But then after this, we're treated to another montage about the history of this world. Did we need this? I mean, we no. were 
got one in the beginning. That was unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, this this one was, we're shown what the people that live there see now. Yeah. So this is kind of what that intro could have been if they had, they could have just made it evident in the beginning that people were watching this, right? And it would have taken care of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I thought it served a purpose because it showed how brainwashed these people are and how they do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Christian Bale has his suspicions about Sean Bean. He does a little Batman detective work. Figures out a thing or two. Something's up. He goes out into the ghetto war zone. He finds Sean Bean. Double cross. Uh-oh. What happens next? Sean Bean's got W.B. Yeats poetry. He's reciting a little bit of it and Christian Bale comes in. Not too happy. Sean Bean then has a, a really, really awesome back and forth with Christian Bale where he recites uh, my, my favorite line in this whole movie. It's, uh, essentially says uh, that Christian Bale is going to be treading on his dreams. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale apologizes and says that he's sorry and Sean Bean then says that's a vestigial word for an emotion that you have never felt. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, what did you think of the acting in this scene? It was Oscar worthy. Whoa. Yeah, it was there, man. I mean, it was, it was there. Magical compared to the crap we usually have to sit through? <laughs> <laughs> you mean this is no hollow man? <laughs> No, they were fully substantial men. Wow. Do you think Toll Road or Gunnar Jensen <laughs> could have pulled off these lines? No, I don't think so. Yeah, this this was really good. Really good acting. It was. It really was. Here's my question. Who's double-crossing who? Christian Bale is doing the double-crossing here. Yeah, right? Sean Bean, he's getting double-crossed. Really. Christian Bale is double-crossing the human race. Yes. At this point. Yeah. Christian Bale puts a bullet in Sean Bean's face. Puts pulls a bullet in his butt. Yeah, puts a pull, pull bullet in his butt. He's his Taurus judge. Just blows him away. <laughs> Well, they don't waste any time in this society. They, they sure don't. They immediately replace Sean Bean with Tay Diggs. And by immediately, we mean... On his way back. Not, not even then. Sean Bean gets shot. Tay Diggs walks in the room. Yeah, he's already there. It's like, hey, I'm your replacement. <laughs> I wonder how effective Prozium actually is for killing emotions because you can see on Christian Bale's face that he's upset about doing that. He he is feeling resentment for killing his partner. Well, the Prozium must wear off, right? Because they have to do it, to it twice a day. They do, but he never actually loses that feeling of resentment towards killing his partner, even when he takes the Prozium. Yeah. So on some level, he regrets killing them. And they go back and they have flashbacks to him, his wife being killed. And you can tell that he's feeling something mm-hmm. and he knows that he should feel bad. He knows he should feel bad. Okay, so Christian Bale goes home. We see that his little kid, he's a little unusual to say the least. I hate this kid. Is, hate this kid. Is he Cameron Bright level? Yes, he's Cameron Bright level. I wanted Christian Bale to abuse him. <laughs> How old was Cameron Bright in 2002? Hell if I know. He should have been that kid. He could have been this kid. This th- You need a kid to play an emotionless Hitler Jr.? Oh yeah. That's Cameron Bright if I've ever heard it. Whoa, Kevin, you may be honest something. <laughs> He probably would have been like six at this time. And he would have been perfect for that role. Perfect. Wow. Man. Lost opportunity, I think. Well, this- maybe maybe he wouldn't have been able to handle the later scenes. Right. Right? Because there was there, there there had to be emotion. There was a kind of a smile in the later yeah. scenes. Cameron Bright wouldn't have been able to pull yeah. off a smile. You had to play with a puppy. I don't know. I don't know if a puppy would have played with him. <laughs> animals are just upset by his presence in the room and walk away and they run away. So this little kid's watching something on TV and he's just watching Father, who's Hitler Senior Senior, I guess. And he's, he's Super Hitler's grandfather. Yes, and he's watching this guy talk because that's all anybody ever watches in society. Yep. Every TV is just this guy's face yammering on and on 24 hours a day. It's not even TV. It's like their entire wall. Yes. Yeah, there's a jumbotron on every wall in every building in the society and it's some guy's face talking just saying boo the, the yeah. hate the hate culture <laughs> who cares I mean we you hate get, hate <laughs> we hate hate emotions must die yeah See, he, I, you, wouldn't you just get desensitized after that you wouldn't even hear it anymore yeah probably so father was talking to the little kid about the revolutionary precept of the hate crime what the hell is that well can we just fantasize <laughs> it's just some blue sky here some pie in the sky thinking the revolutionary precept of the hate crime they raised hate crime to new levels. They revolutionized the game. What could, I mean, let's say that What the hell like, are they talking about? Like, World War 3 hasn't, has occurred, I guess. Something happened that was crazier than Hitler? Is that even possible? Oh, yeah, sure it's possible. Th- that's taken a lot of resources, though. Yeah, no, no, absolutely true, but. Okay, so after all this, Christian Bale's had a busy day. He's a little tuckered out. He's tired. He wants to go to sleep. He's at a 5 out of 5 on the beefcake. Oh, that's a, right? that's, that, that's a stone cold block. You can all agree. 
Christian Bale versus Stallone in the beefcake meter. Will you stop it with Stallone? He is my gold standard. Stallone beats out Christian Bale. From 1983? No, Stallone even present day. His back is 400 feet wide. Oh, man. Did you see that tattoo on Stallone's back? See that, Kevin? That was unreal. Christian Bale's wife was a sense offender. He's brought into the voice of Father's Office. This character essentially breaks down how he's the highest rated cleric. He's had an exemplary career, except there's one oversight. His wife was a sense offender and he didn't catch it. Somebody else did. We then get a nightmare sequence that it shows his wife being captured and his house is stormed by these stormtrooper police. He murders these people. He obliterates them single-handedly. They had no chance. (laughs) Just none at all. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things in this movie. I love this scene of him just running through the hallway and just crippling that guy. He broke that guy's arm. That guy should just have his arm decapitated. He's arm decapitated. He should just have his (laughs) arm cut off because that arm is useless for the rest of his life. He broke it five times? Yeah, in 45 different places. It was just (laughs) turn the powder. <laughs> Kevin, this is the kind of thing you wish you would be able to do if, if your wife was in trouble, right? Absolutely. Come to her rescue, cripple a man if you had to. For sure. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll step up today. <laughs> cripple a man even if you don't have to, because if they threaten your wife like that in your own home, you're going to be running through your hallway. Yeah, absolutely. This guy. absolutely. Well, Christian Bale, he goes home, he goes to take his drug, but uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> he has a little boo-boo and he accidentally slaps the drug across the the state line he just hits it so hard it flies across the room and it explodes into a trillion pieces yeah the drugs are liquid but somehow it, it broke into pieces <laughs> He drops his dose of prosium. His little boy walks in, and he is like a super Hitler narc. He yeah. looks at him and he goes, "Oh well, you better go to the equilibrium." That's not what he Refinery says, right? and get some more. But he has a very unusual way of saying equilibrium. I don't know what country, planet, universe this kid is from, but he says equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yeah, I wrote it down. I wrote it down phonetically. Equilibrium. <laughs> and he, he says it twenty thousand times in this movie. Are you going to equilibrium? Nobody has an accent in this movie except for that kid. (laughs) Where where does he come from? Everybody else on the entire set was saying the name. I'm sure they were saying the name of the movie. I'm sure they were saying Equilibrium a bunch of times. Where did he... What gave him the right to say it like that? He had no right. He had no right. Yeah, he had no right to speak with that tone to Christian Bale, right? The real Christian Bale would have punched this kid in the face so hard it would have cracked his skull open. That shows how good of an actor Christian Bale is, though, because if someone ever spoke to real Christian Bale like that, he would have murdered him. Him. Yeah, I mean, this kid speaks to him like he's the authority. Like, what are you doing? Man, that, that's that's enough for a backhand slap from Bale, right? I would just straight up. He's done more for less, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so he goes to get his dose at the Equilibrium dispensary. But when he gets there, Tay Diggs shows up. Tay Diggs is laughing and cackling he's and giggling. smiling. He's moving and grooving in his car. He's a, he's a jackass. For a world with no feeling, this is the happiest person I've ever seen in my entire life. I wish he could be as happy as this guy. Yeah, absolutely. He was never upset in this movie. Even when he was being captured, he was still kind of happy. Have you ever been that happy to be on the job working like that guy is? That's a really good question. I don't think so. All right, so they go out to the ghetto once more, and they have a little tussle with some of the rebels. Christian Bale, he finds a secret stash of junk bric-a-brac. Junk bonds? Junk to you, maybe. Junk mail? Treasure to those of us who feel. True enough. I am a cold, emotionless robot. (laughs) Yeah, he finds all this stuff in there. He plays a little Beethoven, as he likes to call it. A little beef, be- beef oven? Yeah, beef oven. Beethoven. He, he pops Beethoven that in. second? Yeah, he pops that in. He pushes play, blows his balls off. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. He starts weeping like a child. Like a weak, weak man. I was embarrassed to see Christian Bale in that state. But I thought Christian Bale was incapable of tears. That just goes to show you how amazing an actor he is. You're right, Because Christian Bale's not capable of crying. He's but not. this character is. Oh, yeah. he's He really is a method actor. Yeah. He was, I heard he was actually taking prosium. <laughs> he, just, he, just, <laughs> he was taking his own personal Prozac and Valium mixture. <laughs> <laughs> to make prosium. <laughs> So after all this, Christian Bale, like, he's he's running high off these emotions. There's a dog pen on the outside of the building. The cops, they found these dogs. They look at them. They're like, what do they do with these things? What, do they eat them? <laughs> the hell's going on with these things? Yep. And then they do the only sensible thing. Yeah, Tay Diggs gives the order that they should all be killed. Got to murder the puppies. Dog lovers everywhere. That's hard to swallow. Just for anybody in general. I mean, I think people have a pretty deep down innate connection with dogs. I mean, we, we evolved with them. They're 
man's best friend. Yeah. Every time a dog gets shot, the camera kind of jump cuts closer to Bale. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> that's my Bale impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> so after they kill these dogs, one of them gets away. Christian Bale picks up this puppy and... World's cutest puppy? I think we can all agree. This is melting hearts worldwide. I melted in my seat. I, I turned to liquid. I <laughs> Like Alex Mack? Yeah. You started dripping everywhere. Yes. I came in here an emotionless, stone-hearted, world-weary, world-weary, emotionless cyborg. And this puppy, man, I've never felt so touched. I've never hurt so much when I saw... Yeah, I saw your cheeks get rosy red and hearts started shooting out of your head. <laughs> I fell in love. That was that. That was probably the world's cutest puppy. Bell's not gonna let this, this puppy get shot, right? No way. It's too cute. She's like, I gotta take this. It should probably be tested for something. We'd want to know if there's a disease in the ghetto. Some garbage like that. But he takes the puppy. He saves its life. I was happy. Joel was cringing. Was I? Yeah, you were. You were looking forward. I can tell. You were. You were blood well, I wa- hungry. I wanted to see him snap the dog's neck. You did. did. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so Christian Bell, they go back to the head office, and Christian Bell's sitting at his desk and he's riding high on emotions at this point right I mean, yeah, they're, he, they're getting the better of him and he's, he's looking at this desk and everything's in nice neat order every single person in this room has their desk in the exact same configuration and Bell's like I gotta move these things around I can't take it I can't take the conformity and he just starts moving things around Tay Diggs shows up and he's like dude what are you doing did you not like the way your desk was Bell's like I'm merely optimizing this Tay is Diggs. a really good scene the fact that Tay Diggs or that anybody else in the Clara can't figure out that he's a sense offender by now is a testament to how retarded these people are. He is screaming repeatedly over and over again not to kill people, not to kill the puppies, not to do this, not to do that. He's making up all these really bad excuses for not doing it. And then he's rearranging his desk. He's just doing stuff that's, I mean, in my opinion, very typical of somebody that's feeling. I can't understand. I mean, it makes sense in the context of the movie towards the end why they didn't out him. Mm-hmm. They had no right. <laughs> I think they had a right. Yeah, I mean, Tay, Tay Diggs was tooting his horn, right? He's like, I'm just like you, Christian Bale. Yeah. I can tell when someone's feeling before they even realize it. Celebrities, they're just like us. Yeah. That scene with the desk, I love that. That's one of my I favorites. Yeah. Like, I'm really trying to optimize. That's just like, awesome. This is great. It's a little thing, right? It's a really little thing. Yep. It's really cool. But that's what a good movie takes. It takes big things and little things, which most of our movies don't understand. The Expendables? Was there a little thing in that movie? No. Besides bit- Yin Yang? <laughs> just a little bit of C4. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Well, Christian Bale, when he goes to save that dog, he's out there in the dark at night in the ghetto, and he's got this dog. He's like, okay, puppy, shoo, go. But the dog won't leave. And then the cops show up, and the cops notice the dog, and they're like, oh my God, kill this guy. What does Christian Bale do to these cops? He slaughters them. He makes them look like children, like fools. He, he doesn't even have a gun, right? No, he doesn't. He steals theirs. Yeah, so he, he got guard on each side of him holding a gigantic machine gun to his head. And he pushes the barrels. He like slaps them. So that the guns turn around on those guys, grabs the triggers, and fires in their face. That's amazing. I really like when they show from a bird's eye view looking down of him like shooting into, there's like six guys all around him. Yeah. And his arms are just moving like towards each guy in this really like clockwork precision manner. I love the way it looks. Really cool. And this whole action scene was great. You could see and understand everything that was happening, even though it's like pitch black. Yep. Like, Th- this is the kind of filming that action movies need that they're not getting these days. This should be a case study in choreographed fight scenes or how they should be choreographed because this movie is, I I don't think it has a bad fight scene in it. Everyone is exciting. Everyone is awesome. And it does things that I really haven't seen until this movie in fight scenes. I don't understand why these people even attempted to stop him. I mean, he's the number one cleric in their fictitious dystopian society. Yeah, they know what he's capable of. And they know know who he is. He's infamous. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I did recognize you, sir. Like, they know who he is. Why are they even trying to stop him? I would just run away. So we didn't really talk about Gunk there's a whole scene in this movie where the vice cardinal's walking around and he's explaining what Gunkata is. Some guy's playing with an iPad and there's, there's like an animation of a dude dancing around with angles and statistics floating around him. What's Gunkata? Gunkata is a martial art that's created from thousands and thousands of hours of studies of trajectories that bullets take in a gunfight. What they do is they take the most likely trajectory that a bullet will take and you do a counter move to it when you're fighting people in different positions. So, so it's a martial 
martial art that's based on probabilities of the path that a bullet's going to take and how you respond to it. It's really cool. So it, it's supposed to make it statistically impossible for you to get hit. Statistically, and you, almost unlikely. Like, yeah, like, like, and you'll like hit oh, like every shot. Like, it, it, he said something like, it raises your accuracy level like... 120%. Yeah, some mm-hmm. crazy thing like that. So you'll never miss a shot if you dance around with a gun. I wonder if you gave this guy a Taurus Judge, what he'd be capable of. You don't need to dance around when you got a Taurus Judge. Yeah. Could Can you even move around like that with two Taurus Judges? I mean, <laughs> the gun's got to weigh like 50 pounds. <laughs> okay, so Christian Bale, he's feeling, he's falling in love with Mary, who he caught, and he's going to try and find the underground. He throws a guy through a bookshelf. We don't know what happens to the guy. I don't know either. I don't care. But apparently he's now in the underground. Yeah, huh? he finds the secret passageway to the secret, underground. Yeah, which I guess yeah, is... The underground uh, Railroad. Secret society of people that aren't taking their prosium, and we meet the thickest of men, the thickest of Williams, <laughs> William Thickner. 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 No. Yeah, so William Fickner shows up, and he basically says, we've been keeping an eye on you. We know you haven't been taking your medicine. And we know that you've been sniffing stuff. <laughs> They, so they strap him to a lie detector test, which is pretty cool yeah. because they want to see if the needle will move. That that's the test to make sure he's not dosing. Yeah, he's not pretending to not take his medicine. They want to make sure he has some emotion, and that needle goes a little crazy when he mentions Mary's name. So, so Christian Bale, after he meets with the resistance, goes back to his, to his office and he's watching the video of Mary about to be sent to the incinerator, basically. So then he quickly watches. He looks back and watches a video from when his wife was sent to the incinerator and it brings back all of these emotions that have probably been laying dormant in him for months and years. Oh, yeah. So he quickly runs after Mary. He tries to go stop her from being burned, but he's too late. And when he walks out, he collapses in front of the entire town, basically in the footsteps of this main building and just starts weeping. And Tay Diggs shows up and just punches him in the face, knocks him out and takes him in. Then he publicly humiliates him, right? Oh, yeah. He takes him into the main cleric office, and he's like screaming, look at everybody. I did this. He's so full of himself at that moment. He's the height of arrogance. He is. He's he's town crier. Happiest man in town. He's done it. Yeah, he's ringing his bell. Hear ye, hear ye. I have him. (laughs) Yeah, he had a tri-corner hat. (laughs) He did. I have the traitor. Look at him. I'm gonna kick him in the stomach. What a tool. So this character, Mary, she dies, and her death is used as a way to kind to push Christian Bale forward. Have you ever heard of something called the women in refrigerator syndrome? No. Women in refrigerator syndrome was coined in various forms via online discussions and articles. Women in refrigerator syndrome describes the use of the death or injury of a female comic book character as a plot device in a story starring a male comic book character. It is also used to note the depowerment or elimination of a female comic book character within a comic book universe. So basically it's like they kill a girl only exists so she can get killed off to give the guy a reason to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Green Lantern's girlfriend was slaughtered and her body was dumped in a refrigerator and some issue somewhere. Mm. So this is like a, a feminism thing. It's like a sexist thing that, yet again, char- female characters are, have, have nothing to do except be, be killed. killed. Yeah. Uh, thoughts? It's absolutely a plot device in this movie. It's used yeah. as a catalyst for his emotional change. I mean, Mary's character serves as a vicarious representation for his wife. So he's mourning his wife when Mary's dying. And he's also kind of fallen in love with it. It's the first woman he's probably ever felt any emotion. Like So they do it pr- twice in this movie. Two women characters get Yeah, they do guy. it twice. Yep. They they double up. Double your pleasure, double your fun. It's an interesting concept to look out for in these yeah. movies. Because if this kind of stuff is going to show up in any movies, it's going to be in the crap that we watch. Absolutely. Alright, so finally Christian Bale decides to hatch his master plan to out the resistance and get an audience with Father so he can assassinate Father and end the war and blah blah blah. So he's wearing his white jumpsuit suit. Like you said, he's looking sharp, he's looking dapper, crisp, clean. Kevin, what would you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a spot on that white jumpsuit. Yeah, there's a lot of starch. Very iconic looking. Like yeah. The costumes that they wear in this movie, their trench coats, they're like priest Cossacks. Mm-hmm. And this one was all white, like white leather. It looked pretty good. I like it. It's a very cool looking costume. Yeah. As opposed to that crap that she wore in Ultraviolet that looked they tried to do that same thing, right? Didn't she wear all white in one of the yeah. fights? Total failure in that one. And this one is really cool. So they tried to take his gun away from 
from him, but we come to find out that the Vice Cardinal, oh, double cross yet again. <laughs> he's father all along. Father died years ago, and he's just like a proxy, a puppet that they project this hologram of. Whatever. Christian Bale pulls out his guns, he goes buck wild, and he starts slaughtering anything that moves. Yeah, this is this is a really cool scene because once again he's strapped to a lie detector test, yeah. and you can see they, they want to test him this time. It's to make sure he do, it doesn't move and he doesn't have any emotion. And if things going buck wild when he finds out what's really going on, this whole story. And then when he's about to kill everybody, that, that needle just stops. Yeah. And he goes cold and heartless. <laughs> and that guy's like, oh man, we are in trouble. Yeah, he knows he's screwed. He knows everybody in that room is going to die. Yeah, that was, I love that scene. He slaughters everybody. <laughs> and he runs down that hallway. He's got like his magazines on his gun. He's just tossing them around and yep. catching them while doing flips. And it's all very well done. It's all in good fun, quite frankly. It really is great, great fun. Mm-hmm. Clean, wholesome family fun. Why did these people yeah. think that they were going to be able to pull this off? <laughs> Why did, I mean, it, it's it's revealed that they inserted him into the resistance. They were waiting for him not to take his prosium so that, <laughs> so that they could get someone into the resistance to infiltrate it and figure out where they're located and what their plans are. Why would you use your strongest guy, the, the person that nobody else can beat? Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't know. That's a really big plot hole here. Well, Christian Bale makes it into the Vice Cardinal's office and clearly this guy's a sense offender because he has an opulent chandelier. They make a point of like showing this chandelier. He's living high. Yeah, and there's all these paintings and Tate Diggs there. They're hanging out. All these soldiers come out of the woodwork and Christian Bale like doesn't even bat an eye. One one soldier growls at him, I think. Yeah, he has like, (laughs) Christian Bale has a sword and he just hacks these guys to pieces. Yep. It's a joke how he destroys these guys. Tate Diggs thinks he has what it takes. He steps up to the plate. No, 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 no. Not even. I don't think he gets one move off. I think Christian Bale just cuts his face right off. Yeah, it was amazing. Like he, it, it, you know, up to this point when they kind of went toe to toe in training and stuff, they looked like they were almost equals. And this, this showed. Nah. Tate Diggs, he can't hold a candle to Christian Bale. He slaughtered him. What sliced a, him to pieces. What a joker. Yeah, so the Vice Cardinal, he gets up, he grabs a gun, and then they start going toe to toe. Apparently the Vice Cardinal's very proficient in gun kata. He was teaching it before, right? Right. Well, the one thing I like about this fight scene a lot, which is a really interesting concept in a gun battle that I've never seen before and probably will never see again because I, it's just so unrealistic, but it works in the framework of this kind of big martial arts. I really liked how whenever they would draw a gun on themselves, like they would point a gun at each other and each of them would like, they would push it away. Yeah. They would just constantly push their guns away, like left, right, left, right, left, right. They were never able to get like, a, a, even though they're right next to each other, they were never able to properly fire or get their guns like directly in someone's face. Mm-hmm. I really like the way this looked, like the kind of flowing lines of their arms flailing around them, slapping their hands away. Yeah, It worked really well. I like this fight scene a lot. They're taking CQC characteristics in a fight scene, close quarter combat, and they're applying a long range weapon to it. But it works for a gun because it's a small weapon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a handgun. It's maybe eight inches long, ten inches long. In real life, you get shot in the gut like Danny Glover did in Saw, but <laughs> in this one, they were they're dancing, they were moving, they were grooving. It was pretty yeah. good. Well, they're supposed to be like, I imagine these are like the top two gun kata experts in all the land, right? Yes. So it makes sense that they would draw, right? Be doing this, yeah. Yeah, they'd, they'd be at a standstill. Mm-hmm. Well, Christian Bale gets the better of father. Father, one last tactic. He tries to appeal to Christian Bale's feeling side and says that he is alive and he feels he's not taking Librium. But then we get a quote from the movie again when he says, are you willing to pay the price of killing me? Christian Bale says, he puts on his best Batman voice. <laughs> he says, I'd pay it gladly. <laughs> yeah, blows his head clean off his shoulders. <laughs> his head just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> when people get shot in this movie, it's as if they're made out of sawdust or something because this cloud of dust just shoots out of them from both sides. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to be blood, but they didn't tint it red enough or something. It just looks like chalk yeah. dust. I don't know what the rating would have been if you killed like 300 people on screen and blood shooting out everywhere. That's a good point. I mean, you, that might bump it up to NC-17 status. That's a really good point. Yeah, that well, might be a reason they did, they did that. Well, that's pretty much the end of the movie. Father's dead. The resistance, they come storming in. Christian Bale blows up all the propaganda machines and everyone's free. The end. It's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, that was Equilibrium. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
borrows from so many literary and cinematic sources that this future world feels absolutely deja vu. Kurt Honeycutt, Hollywood Reporter. It's super violent, super serious, and super stupid. Mick LaSalle, San Francisco Chronicle. And finally, unapologetic landslide of steaming balderdash. Dennis Lim, Village Voice. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Absolutely not. This movie, conceptually, is awesome. I don't care if a lot of it's over the top because the acting is really good in it, the story is good, and I really enjoy the concepts of this movie. Overall, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, is this movie completely original? Absolutely not. I mean, this is a mash together of six or seven different classic sci-fi type stories. But does that really matter? I mean, it's a super entertaining movie. It's really well acted. It's an action movie that you can actually enjoy the non-action scenes of, which is rare. I love this movie. I give this a four to five. Solid four to five. Yeah, I agree. Is it really that bad? Nope. I'm a big fan of this movie. I've been a fan of this movie for years. Solid four to five. I mean, there's some of the fight scenes in this movie that we didn't even talk about. Like, there's that, that part in it where he just completely dismantles these six or seven dudes with nothing but the butts of his gun just pistol whips these dudes to death that seems amazing this is a great great movie I really like the fact that it's kind of like this secret underground movie that very few people have heard of and the people who do seem to talk about it they just seem to hate it that's so strange I just hear hate about this movie constantly people think this movie is ridiculous and stupid I don't see it I enjoy this movie a lot this is another Boondock Saints it's weird I don't understand people hate that one either no matter how many times I watch this movie it's always enjoyable always it has great reasons play value. I can't believe that this guy went on to make Ultraviolet after this. It's shocking, right? It's it a really is. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for some listener mail. Okay, Margaret writes in and says, Hey guys, I'd love to review this week on The Expendables. Listen to it with a friend while trying to convince him to try Joel's shaving method just to see if it really works as well as he claims it does. Since a lot of people are trying to guess what you guys look like, I decided that I would give it a try. Kevin looks like a mix of Johnny Bravo and Schroeder from the Peanuts Gang. <laughs> Since he likes football, real football, not that silly gringo version of football, he's automatically the coolest one in the group. Woo! Dead on. Martin looks like a young Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> And Joel is an enigma to me, but I'm sure that he has this brat look on his face the entire time. The kind of face a kid has when he's about to do something he knows he shouldn't, but he's going to do it anyway. I imagine that when you see him grinning as you walk into the room, you automatically look up to make sure there's not a bucket of water placed on the door ready to pour on your head. Am I close? I hope Martin is feeling better. Take care. P.S. I just have to know, why did you guys really buy a bell? I think she's spot on. I look like a young Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, why do we have a bell? I don't know. Why, why'd, you have, why'd you get a bell? Somebody gave it to me. Long story short, somebody gave it to me. <laughs> I mean, I came in here one day, there's just a bell on the table, and we just have been hitting it since. Yeah, I didn't actually buy it. Somebody gave it to me. There's this game that we play called Pit. Look it up. P-I-T. It, it required a bell. I knew somebody who had this bell just sitting around, and I'm like, hey, can I have this bell? And they gave it to me, and we've since used it to play this game Pit, a game which Kevin here loves with all his life and heart soul. The complete opposite, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody else likes this game except for Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, so look it up, Pit. It's a really fun game. Okay, and finally, Gregory writes in and says, Hey, Martin, Joel, and Kevin, I just wanted to say I love your podcast and hearing about movies that I should not watch, but will watch anyways. I'm currently watching one movie a day. I started on January 1st and will end December 31st. Some of the movies on your list have helped me out here and there. I was wondering if you could give me some suggestions on what movies to watch. I'm currently when and if you read this email when the podcast comes out on Tuesday it will be day 234 keep up the good work and I was wondering if it was possible for two people to do a joint donation for an episode of their own your fan Gregory okay first off the joint donation thing (laughs) if you and your buddy each want to toss in 25 bucks just put in the message because when you donate on PayPal you can toss a message in there put in the message that what you're doing saying that I'm putting in half my friend's doing half here's the movie we want we'll play it by ear 
there. Yeah. We will gladly accommodate that request. As for the movie suggestions, let's come up with some offbeat movies for him to watch. What are some movies that you think are good that most people haven't even heard of, don't know about, but you think would be cool to get out there? I'm going to start with a movie called 1114. We watched that together. Remember that, Kevin? Yeah, I do. I mentioned that eons ago on this podcast, but I'm going to toss that out there again. That's a pretty interesting movie. You should look into that one. If you like your time bendy movies, Primer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Primer for sure. There's uh, Triangle. None of you have seen that, but if you like time movies, Triangle is a fun one. I like uh, Lucky Number 11. That's a movie that I don't think too many people have seen. I know a lot of people might have heard of it, but I really enjoyed that movie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, The Lookout. Yeah, The Lookout, Brick also. See, you like Brick. I'm going to toss in a movie that people say is a Brick ripoff, but I think it's better than Brick, called The Assassination of a High School President. No one's heard of that. Give that a shot. Oh, Moon with oh, Moon's Sam great. Rockwell. Yeah. Not that many people have seen that. Check that one it's out. It's directed by David Bowie's son. If you want to see an uh, interesting slasher slash sci-fi movie, Splice is good. Uh, me and Joel saw that together, and I gave that an honorary 5 out of 5 for a certain scene in that movie. The Science of Sleep is really good. Yeah, Cash Back. You should look into that movie. If you're interested in non-feature film movies and, and also putting uh, sprinkling in some documentaries, I should suggest Exit to the Gift Shop, Murder Ball, King, King of, of Kong. Kong. Exit to the Gift, gift Shop's a great movie. Milk Money is a good movie. Milk Money? Yeah. Like Melanie Griffith? Yeah. Really? Where she's like the hooker? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say The Prestige. The Prestige is a good one, too. I don't think a lot of people have seen that. Yeah. Mothman Prophecies? Yeah, Mothman Prophecies, I think a lot of people have probably seen, but that, that's a great movie that's got uh, Richard Gere. Um, I'm overloading this guy. <laughs> I mean, there's just pick an actor that you really like and go through his filmography. Just take in the entire William Fickner collection, <laughs> and you can't go wrong. Oh, oh, one more. Really obscure. No one's ever heard of this movie. Vincent D'Onofrio and Marissa Tomei, they're in this really offbeat sci-fi movie that no one's ever seen called Happy Accidents. Look into that one. Adaptation also. We're going to throw in some really odd movies. Like, that, that that's a Nicolas Cage movie and that's not a typical Nicolas Cage movie. It's good. Okay, there you go. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahstatbad at gmail.com. And now it's time for the question of the week. And the question of the week is, what offbeat movie would you recommend for Gregory here to watch? Head on over to yesthatbad.com and leave your suggestion to help Gregory complete his quest to see a movie a day for an entire year. I want Gregory to keep us updated too. If he takes any of our recommendations or the recommendations of people that post, I want to hear what his response is. Okay, right. Yeah, I want to see if you like the movie or not. Yeah. Now it's time to announce next week's movie and the next sponsored episode is Deja Vu starring Denzel Washington. This was sponsored by Ray. I've seen Deja Vu. I don't know if I... uh... Deja Vu, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of it. But maybe this time I'll have a change of heart. I've never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, either. It looked like it was right up my alley, but I just never bothered to see it. I'm interested. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. You'll probably like it. Okay, so this... Yeah, all right. <laughs> It's so derogatory. He likes, he likes You'll time. probably like it. He likes it. time travel, time warp related. Time manipulation is time right manipulation, up his alley. Yeah, it's, it's Joel's speed. Okay, so tonight's movie was sponsored by Deborah. If you would like to sponsor an episode and choose which movie we review next, head on over to askthatbad.com, click on the donate button, or you look at the top of the page, you can see a little link that says sponsor, you can click there and see what the upcoming sponsored episodes will be. The mere donation of 50 bucks, you can shape the future. That's a lot of power to wield. They could literally shape our destiny. Great power comes great responsibility, Martin. <sighs> Uncle Ben. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like if you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash bad. You can follow Yes That Bad on Twitter. You can follow us at Yeah It's Bad on Twitter. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. And you can listen to the podcast on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. Head on over to Stitcher.com. And don't forget, you can still download our latest premium podcast, The Last Airbender, at yadstatbad.bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. The stuff with him and his wife, that's like some deep, dormant, vestigial, primordial, pseudo-memory. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. How- <laughs>
How about you know what the hell I'm saying? How about this? Hey guys, just out of curiosity, prosium would be really useful for pedophiles or rapists. You would just not feel anything. Chemical castration? Yeah, it would be something similar to that. That'd be a political hot button right there, right? Slippery slope. Yeah. Slippery when wet. Okay. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>